Hi, I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETS for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focus Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, the Managing Director of Focus Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Um, how are you, gentlemen? How was your weekend? Great. Good. Happy, Labor Day, Happy Labor Day, guys. Glad we're back. Okay. Well, there was no action yesterday as it was Labor Day, but on Friday, the major averages on the stock market posted their third consecutive week of losses. With Labor Day being the unofficial end of summer, what should we be focusing on in the last third of the year in terms of the stock market and rising interest rates? Well, the markets were firmly higher throughout mid-morning, and the reaction to the jobs report was relatively positive. I think some people were looking for a bit of a weaker report in hopes that it would make the Federal Reserve kind of ease up on the rhetoric of rate hikes, because ever since Powell spoke, you've really gotten a response that seems that the market is anticipating a larger withdrawal of liquidity and more Fed rate hikes until inflation does really begin to ease. The jobs report was strong, and you saw uh, a, a pretty decent strength across the board in ads. And then midday, uh, it came out that Russia was basically shutting off its natural gas shipments to Europe again, and the market reversed and just headed lower. So it really does seem to appear that we're going back into this mid-2014 to 2016 focus of really slow growth in the US. Now we're in negative territory and a lot of issues coming out of Europe structurally, especially with rising gas prices. But when you look beneath the surface, there were a couple significant positives that I saw last week um, in the ISM manufacturing reports, which actually showed that commodity prices eased really substantially which is a leading indicator for inflation. We saw one of the largest easing of commodity prices in almost uh, ever in, in the survey. Um, so that's an incremental positive. You're seeing rents start to trickle down now for the first time since the pre-COVID environment. And then simultaneously, inventory of housing on the market is creeping up once again, as we mentioned in previous weeks. So it's difficult to say because it looks like things over in Europe are going to get worse before they get better. Uh, incremental demand there does appear to be decelerating, especially retail sales reports that came out this morning showing a pretty significant drop in uh, sales over in Europe. But Simultaneously, you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel as it pertains to the inflationary pressures with uh, commodity prices coming down, oil down in the 80s now, and what would appear to be a situation that housing is starting to incrementally slow because housing and shelter, again, really considerable portions of inflation. So this does point to a stair step lower in the be in the middle of the, the beginning to the middle of next year. So I think there's going to be a lot of volatility as as long as we're in this seasonally weak period. But incrementally, you're starting to see some positives on the uh, in in the outlook for inflation, which could mean that the Fed is you know saber rattling a little bit and talking a big game. But then when we get to the September meeting, maybe it won't be as significant of a rate hike or a forward outlook as people would expect. So hey, look at copper prices getting slammed, right? You look at the, the commodity complex to your point, um, the dollar incredibly strong. And at some point, right, when you look at all the bearish sentiment in these markets, like you know, right around 50% right now, not at all time highs, but up there, I mean, everybody out over the weekend. Uh, you know, really uh, bearish. Um, yeah, well, you know, tough seasonality time of year. But uh, 
I think you got to be looking uh, forward for this and, and to what's next. And, you know, they're not saying it yet, but if they're getting inflation under control and we don't have 1970s style inflation or stagflation, that's a huge victory. And so while, yeah, the markets might be down 10, 15 percent, whatever it is, um, I think when you look long term, the cost, the short term cost, the short term pain to making sure we don't have a decade you know, of, of stagflation or inflationary pressures is really big. Yeah, we're approaching a point where there is going to be an incremental buy point at some point in the future. It's hard to say exactly when. And a few months ago, Always we said, to look, pinpoint that. Yeah, if, a few months ago, we said, look, if you start dollar cost averaging, it's probably right the right decision because 23 doesn't look like 22. I still do believe that to be true, even yeah. though the situation in Europe does seem to be getting worse. You do have positives on the inflation front, which I think ultimately are going to be pretty significant. Um, so I still think if you're dollar cost averaging, you continue to maintain that strategy through the fall. I think it's probably going to line up maybe hopefully with the October, November time period once we clear September, but time will yep. tell. Well, some analysts are saying that you should be holding cash because it's beating the market this year. So what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, hey, look, you, you know, you're going to own bonds, you're down 10%, you're going to own the S&P, you're down 15%, right? So um, cash obviously has, you know, not gone down and you can get real yield in short-term money markets, et cetera. So, I mean, I think at the be- end of last year, when we were rebalancing and raising our fixed income and keeping cash on hand, as we recommended, we said that there would be points to put that in. And to Michael's point, you know, if you have cash, a third of it should have been in by now. And uh, you should be able, you know, be willing to work in the next chunk uh, momentarily, you know, as we go through September and October, because those are going to be great buying months, uh, most likely. And right here is good, too. So, you know, it's time to be to be working those monies in. Okay, well, that was great. Um, For the second question, yesterday was there was big news in the United Kingdom. Boris Johnson's foreign secretary, Liz Truss was elected the new leader of Britain's Conservative Party, putting her in line to replace Johnson as the prime minister. The markets have already shown concern about Trust becoming the prime minister, as she has said she's willing to slash taxes and run up the budget deficit for the, even as the Bank of England raises interest rates. What does this all mean for the U.S. market, and is now the time to buy British sovereign bonds? Well, so we um, have been a long-term follower of, of the British markets, uh, going back to Brexit, uh, there is an iShare, uh, the EWU that is available. Um, and, you know, if you look at, first of all, look at the equity markets in, in England, uh, they've gotten incredibly cheap. Um, you know, you can buy the EWU, which is just a basket of, of the top FTSE 100 stocks uh, in England, and you have a yield of about 5.3, Great yield. If you look at the British sovereign debt, the 10-year, 10-year gilt, G-I-L-T, that's trading uh, really up now in yield. I think the the yield on that is around 310, something like that this morning. Um, And so the the English markets have rallied on Truss's victory. And um, I think that, you know, if you look long term, uh, the policies that she's probably most likely to follow uh, would be similar to Johnson um, and might even mirror Margaret Thatcher a little bit more, especially if you look at the time period uh, that Thatcher was in office, you know, you had you had similar problems. So uh, I'd be curious. And I think that their short term rally 
uh, might be hopeful. Uh, Johnson was really deadlocked, couldn't get much through. But I have to tell you, uh, the continent is going and England is going to have an awful time this winter with their energy prices. And uh, that's the major concern. Uh, over the weekend, we saw that someone took out something like a $40 billion uh, credit default swap uh, against the Bank of Italy, uh, thinking that uh, Rome might default on their sovereign debt. I don't see that happening. But when you see countries that are getting 40 to 50 percent of their heating uh, energy from Russia now being shut off, uh, there's some problems here. In the Czech, uh, there was a, a rally of 70,000 people uh, in Prague, you know, against these higher energy prices. So when you when you see these socialized these movements, right, socialization of movements and anger, um, I'm curious to see if that spreads. Uh, what do I think about Europe right now? And to answer your question specifically, what would I think about English sovereign debt? I, I think I'd rather buy English equities. Not right now on the bounce up, um, but I think that, uh, you know, uh, again, if there was a rough fall. Uh, you think, you think with, the, with the oil that things are going to get worse there and prices are going to go lower? I think, it, I think it could be a rough, you know, start to winter. But don't forget, markets move in advance of events, right? Markets are the ultimate handicappers and higher energy prices for the winter are in that. But I also think that trust's policies aren't yet known. So it's going to take a while to roll that out. So you would think September and October are seasonality tough times. And I would wait. But I, I do see value in English, British uh, equities. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention the dollar and all this, too, because that has a really yeah. a lot of importance on global investing. And it's even impacting U.S. equities here. I mean, the dollar has been incredibly strong. And when the, the ECB is supposed to hike rates 75 basis points this week, um, when the Fed hikes rates, at least usually it strengthens the dollar and oil globally is priced in dollars. So it could have an effect on pushing oil prices lower or putting pressure on that. The ECB hikes rates 75 basis points into a recession, <laughs> and it's not like they're going to ease natural gas prices by doing that. So I think that the ECB is in a really tough spot needing to curb inflation. They don't have the same tools or the ability to that our Federal Reserve does. And to me, that's only realistically going to exacerbate the problem a little bit yeah. over there. So I, I, I've said before, I think the ECB is the first central bank that is going to pivot. And that's one of the reasons that the dollar and the euro, or the euro is less than parity against the dollar. And the dollar has been so strong. If the dollar and ever- I, I think if you look to that point though, and you look at the English situation, right? And you look at what trust can do, but, but go back to Brexit and look at the European situation right now. I think this is going to put a lot of stress on the European Union to have consolidated policy response to this. And if you have uh, uh, the Bank of Italy get attacked like this, and if you look at what policy responses could come out, especially on, you know, you're still in the time period where you had a, a look inward, right? Nationalization to a lot of countries. And when you look at the Brexits of the world, if that was ever gonna spread, you might have a time period where it would be more apt to spread now uh, and that's why the dollar, I think, has also been maybe 20 percent of the reason has been strong because of the fear of that. And so um, the Brexit move and her potential policy, Truss's potential policy responses to crises like this, whether it's to your point, Larry, lowering taxes, um, you know, even running a deficit short term or what they need to do. They have much more flexibility than mainland Europe. 
And because of that flexibility, I just wonder if, if these nations look inward and some of the far right fragments of these European countries, uh, there might be more Brexit's out there long term. And that's why, you know, England took the tough medicine and, and they might be, you know, if I had to invest in Europe right now, and again, I would wait, but that might be the place that I would go first uh, with this strong dollar, because we all know uh, currency moves don't last like this forever, right? And so I think you got to go back to 1985 uh, to see the dollar so strong against the, the pound, against the, the, the UK pound. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at...